0: Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the BM Cast. not a podcast that asks if you play the one, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the masked vandal herself, Emma. How are you doing this week?
1: I am doing well. It's been another quiet week because I'm getting back into, you know, the new year and settling back into old routines. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been, it's been a week of just settling back into content and so forth. Um, I have played some Magic this week though, which has, you know, <gasps> been pretty rare for me yes. in the last month. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I've been playing on Magic Online as there's a new cube and I'm I'm a sucker for a good cube. Okay. And this one is a team cube, which as you can probably guess is within the team of colour pairing and, you know, non black or white cards. It's really, really good and I think you would really like it, because a lot of it is combo based. Nice. Because a lot of the powerful cards in those colours often then do be in combo. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example the other day I drafted a really really sweet is it storm deck and you would have been proud of me
0: good 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 to hear
1: and you, you can easily draft like like still colossus and tinker you've got splinter twin in there as well so even if there are other like is it or civic players around the table you could easily draft something really really good I recommend trying it out it's good fun nice. if you're like a dirty combo player like Scott <laughs> <laughs> um, so as a content, this week I did do a write-up on Mono Green Stompy in Modern, which, as we all know, is a really, really good cheap and budget deck. Mm-hmm. It's had a lot of new toys, and there's a lot of new toys in Kaldheim, so I just covered it all and did a walkthrough as usual. Outside of that, I've been playing my PS Vita, because I've now managed to jailbreak it, I can play PS1 games on it, and Scott is smiling at me right now because he knows what I'm going to say. Oh, yeah, So I've been playing one of my favourite games, a game that Scott's quite passionate about as well, it's called Front Mission Three. It's a really old PlayStation 1 game. It is a strategy game and you pilot mechs and then you fight them against other mechs. And there's this really, really good story. It's kind of political as well. There's a lot of political undertones in there as well. Mm. But you just get to go around in big robots and bash stuff. And it's really, really good. It's so Um, good. But yeah, that's been sick of my time at the moment. So (laughs) it's been really good fun. How about you?
0: Yeah, I'm good. Outside of Magic, I've been on another Genshin Impact kick. Uh, partly because it's fun and partly because i actually can't decide what kind of game i want to play right now i'm kind of done for the time being with my roguelikes and that kind of thing and i kind of just want to mm. shift gears a little bit and genshin's not scratching the itch but it's not making it worse so i'm just floating around there for now you know but yeah. i also edited the latest episode of casual magic this week that's shiv pott 's cast about the fun parts of magic um, it's always a really good listen. They had the Memory Jar podcast crew on this week, um, Ooh, so nice. I highly recommend listening to them if you haven't listened to it already. But magic wise, oh, I had a good, I had a good time this week. Magic wise, yeah. I played Monoblutron on the Irish Magic Discord server in their Wednesday modern event. It's just a free event. There's mm-hmm. no prizes or anything. You just come along and you get to play a webcam and have a bit of fun. But I. Mm. Got to resolve a Sundry Titan against a primetime deck that had a Dryad of the Elysian Grove out. So I blew up five lands.
1: Darcy. I see. Chef's it.
0: kiss. And <laughs> I also got to Mindslaver lock two opponents as well. So that was quite nice. Uh, fun time was had by all, and by all I mean me. Uh, but then in the final round, I got absolutely bodied by Banned Spirits, which put me right back into my place. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's not a good matchup. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good
0: matchup for Bluetron, mostly because Spellcaller exists.
1: That car's really good against you. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you tried Thieving Skydiver yet?
0: I haven't, uh, but that's mostly because I haven't put the Karn board in yet. I'm yet to get my Karns, and I don't want to get my Karns until I can at least also afford to splash out for an Ensnaring Bridge and a Chalice of the so so I can have them all in the sideboard as well. It all kind of comes Mm. in at like, it's like $120, so it's nearly doubling the price of the deck. So I'm kind Mm. of holding off for the time being, but I do like the idea. I really like it because... Being able to just pump extra Tron mana in to just steal larger things from your opponent seems pretty good. And
1: lands. And lands. Steal lands as well. Mm-hmm.
0: It's always great. It's quite nice, yeah. In terms of content this week, my article is actually a deep dive on playing Marit of the Frost in Commander. That's the new uncommon Snow Shapeshifter in Kaldheim. So, Ooh. yeah, it's pretty sweet. I go into the different ways that can be built as your general and the combos that enable, particularly with Persist creatures, and... Also, how they'll fit into the 99 of other decks as well, like different tribal decks and stuff. Um, mm. I highly recommend checking it out because I actually think they could be potentially close in power level to even Tatyova.
1: Ooh, that's a take. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like, Morit is to persist creatures as Tatyova is to lands. Put it that way.
1: Okay, that's yeah. impressive.
0: One other thing, I have a little Scott Stunks for you today. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And that is Magmatic Chandler from Zendikar Rising. Is a really really good pickup right now. They're as low as sixty cents or eighty cents if you're talking about euros. And they do not see enough play at the moment. Like in blue red spells decks or red heavy spells decks, they're basically a red Tarmogoyf. They're just yes. they're fantastic. Highly recommend picking them up.
1: The same playing like red black like mid range and modern as well mm-hmm. because the new jund is Rakdos apparently. And as you just say. They just play Chandler instead of Tarmacode because it reveals two cards off the top and gets that value that you really need in the late yeah. game. But yeah, the card's sweet. It's really, really mm-hmm.
0: good. So, do we have any housekeeping today, Emma?
1: We do have a little bit of housekeeping this week. Uh, we would like to give a huge thank you to Everett Brogan, who is our latest patron of the stocks tier. So, thank you very much, Brogan, and enjoy the stocks.
0: If you enjoy the BM Cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. Alright, so today we are going to be talking about Caldheim previews. This is going to be part two of our Caldheim deep dive into the different things that are coming out through preview season. Before we do that, though, we have a little thing that we want to touch on, which is this week on Thursday, I believe, was a pauper banned and restricted update. So as of the 14th of January, Fall From Favour is now banned in pauper. If anyone hasn't seen this, Fall From Favor is the enchantment from Commander Legends, which is two and a blue, enchantment aura, and it enchants a creature. And it says, when Fall From Favor enters the battlefield, tap enchanted creature and you become the monarch. Enchanted creature doesn't untap during its controller's untap step unless that player is the monarch. So you're looking at this and you're like, how could this be that bad? You know, it, it taps a creature, like that's not that big a deal. It's the monarch. Monarchy is a really rancid mechanic in 1v1. I know that a lot of people argue this you know some people think that it's actually really good and some people absolutely hate it i'm absolutely in the hated camp because generally speaking if you land the monarchy on your side and you have any kind of way to prevent combat for even one turn prevent someone from dealing combat damage Mm -hmm. to you you've basically just snowballed and won the game particularly in pauper because nearly every single deck wants to win through combat damage so if you can prevent that for one turn you're probably going to be able to prevent it for more turns after that and it just snowballs the monarchy is still in Pauper because we still have stuff like uh, Palace Sentinels and Thorn of the Black Rose. They've been there for a long time. Uh, but we now also have like Azure Fleet Admiral,
1: is it? Admiral. Yeah. Azure Fleet Admiral. Then you've got a dedicated Monarch card in each color mm-hmm. now at Common. So everyone gets Monarch and everyone can snowball, which just creates this really frustrating and stagnant play pattern, which Pauper just seems to be at the moment.
0: Yeah. So the monarchy isn't really going anywhere. It's Just Fall From Favor was particularly gross with it because getting it down on turn three was pretty rough, to be honest. Mm. As the time we're recording this, it is the 17th, so it's three days after the ban. So we haven't seen a huge impact so far, but there is likely going to be a very, very strong surge in Trondax because... The Monarchy was kind of how fairer decks dealt with Tron. And Tron, if you haven't played it in Popper is basically a draw-go control deck for the most part, but has access to stuff like Mystical Teaching, so it can go tutor up stuff or whatever. And it can lock you out of combat. Like I said, combat being the main way to win in Popper, it can lock you out of combat with flickering Stonehorn Dignitary to remove your combat step, and then something like Mnemonic Wall to get the Ghostly Flicker back so that you can loop Ad and Basically, it's a prison deck at that point. So, without going too far into it, I personally want the monarchy and Tron gone out of popper and it would be lovely to be able to brew in that kind of environment. Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Emma?
1: It just feels like every time there's a ban or an unban, it's just, you just default back to Tron. Like, it's, that's the starting point again, and that doesn't really feel like a healthy format when... You just have this one deck that is just always, like, de facto good no matter what happens, just because of the versatility of it and the mm. power it has. I'm glad Fall from Favor is banned because that card was very, very heinous and it needed to go. Yeah. But I, I would love to see something else from Trongo because it, oh, it's clear Expedition Map has done absolutely mm. nothing.
0: The only thing it has done is it has removed those old, really janky lands decks from the format. Because they used to rely on 4 Expedition Map 4 crop rotation, now yeah. they've only got crop rotation.
1: Yeah, it was it was a weird timing for the band as well, because often they release them on a Monday, and this one was on a Thursday, mm. so clearly something happened for them to release it on a day that they don't normally release it. It felt like an emergency ban to an extent, I guess. Kind of. Yeah, because yeah. they normally release it on a the Monday, then they tend to give like a, a pre-warning warning that they're doing it, and then... Yeah, we'll have to see what the dating holds up. I suspect Tron will be really good. Is It will still be playable because it's just a good deck. Um, we we'll just have to see what happens.
0: Yeah. Now, the day that this comes out, this podcast, it will be the 21st. It, two days after this is going to be the Magic Online Qualifier Tournament. And it's going to be Pauper. So hopefully we'll see more information from that. If it shows up that there's one deck in particular that stands out, probably Tron, let's be real, then... Yeah, we'll have to take it from there. Now, Popper isn't the kind of format that's particularly fast to have anything done to it, because it's not a Mm. high priority, generally speaking. But it is so fun, though.
1: It is really fun. And the issue you're going to have, yes, you're going to see some people playing Tron, but then you're going to have people who don't want to play Tron because they don't enjoy that style of deck but they don't want to play anything else because they know it's going to get trampled by Tron. So you, as a result, you kind of lose players and you lose that creativity. Yeah. And like like yourself with the walls deck, like that is a really cool and innovative deck. But, you know, Tron is just...
0: Well, Wolves happens to be really good against Tron. Yeah, But then but it also just... just loses to an awful lot of other stuff in the format. It's basically the <laughs> yeah, Tron hate just... deck, so like...
1: <laughs> Maybe you should play that next week if you ever fancy the Pauper challenge.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Enough talk about Pauper for now. We will see what happens over the coming weeks and if they finally have the wherewithal to actually go directly for the throat with Tron.
1: It would be nice,
0: Mm, but I don't know. But that aside, what we're going to do today, we are going to be talking about the Caldine previews thus far and specifically the rares and mythic rares. We're going to be going through our top fives. right? So I have a top five, Mm. Emma has a top five. We've tried our best to make sure that we don't have too much overlap and we're going to just have a quick chat about each card and just see what we're excited about to give you an idea of what we're looking for in this set and what we're excited to play with.
1: Yes, we are ignoring the stuff we talked about last week. So I believe there was a handful of rares that we mm-hmm. talked about last week. So this is like a new top five. A lot of it's stuff that's been previewed within the last week or so. But yeah, yeah, should be good.
0: All right. So I guess I'll start off yeah. with my number five. And that is Battle of Frost and Fire. Typical.
1: So. Is, it, is it card? <laughs> Who would have thought?
0: So Battle of Frost and Fire. Three blue-red for a saga that reads, Battle of Frost and Fire deals four damage to each non-giant creature and each planeswalker. And then chapter two is Scry three. And then chapter three is whenever you cast a spell with converted mana cost five or greater this turn, draw two cards, then discard a card. So this is pretty great. I really, really like this. This kind of signals that is a giant is probably going to be a thing, and it's going to be more of a tap style sort of mid-range control deck because mm-hmm. you kind of want to be playing larger spells to be able to gain value from that third chapter. And it's basically going to be a one-sided board wipe with upside in many scenarios. Because you're not really going to be putting this into decks unless you're either running a load of giants or you're running no creatures at all. And you're likely going to want to run giants because you want to cast stuff with CMC 5 or greater later. So yeah, this is really, really cool. I like the way that it's set up specifically for this type of deck because the first chapter on this is the wipe. So this is like reset the board, push your opponent back a little bit, allow you some time to set up chapter two sets up a scry three because in these tap out style decks you don't really want to be casting card draw spells necessarily you want to be casting things that impact the game Mm. so this scry three helps you find that converted mana cost five or greater spell for chapter three and then Mm. what's important about chapter three is that tap decks like this need to make sure that card flow is still steady in order to make sure that they have what they need at the right time And Chapter 3 is designed to find a way to protect the win condition that you've just spent your scry 3 looking for. So it's just really, really neatly set up and very carefully chosen in every single chapter. And I think this is the saga with the best setups in terms of chapter by chapter uh, that I've seen so far, except for maybe uh, the Hallar Unites the Elves, the green-black one. That has some pretty cool stuff where it helps you build out your board and then you kill off creatures and stuff. but. I think this is just really, really good. It actually, this does it in reverse to the Hallar one, because this kills creatures and then sets up for more creatures. So I really like it.
1: I really like it too. And it kind of goes really well with Fricks of the Sudden Storm, Mm. who cares about uncountable five mana spells, which does discount them as well. So there's a nice little overlap there. Um, But yeah, this card seems sweet. And I am going to brew my tap out giant control-y mid-range deck, as mentioned last week. I'm probably not going to play it because it's standard, but I just want to get the idea out of my head because it just sounds really neat. Yeah. And, you know, killing stuff and cowering stuff and then playing a big giant just sounds fun.
0: It does sound fun. Sounds real good.
1: Mm. So my number five is Ascended Spirit. So Ascended Spirit is a snow creature. It is a spirit. Yeah. So for one blue mana, you get a 1-1. And it has three abilities. Uh, the first one is you can pay two snow mana. Ascendant Spirit becomes a spirit warrior with base power and toughness 2-3. To it's a pretty good rate. Mm-hmm. After that, you can pay three mana. If Ascendant Spirit is a warrior, put a flying counter on it and it becomes a spirit warrior angel with base power and toughness four four. So it's kind of like a bad-ish Sarah <laughs> Angel missing the vigilance, but it's a Sarah Angel, essentially. After then, you can pay four snow mana and if Ascendant Spirit is an angel, put two plus one plus one counters on it and it gains. Whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Mm-hmm. The reason I quite like this card, because it references one of my favourite cards in Magic, which is Figure of Destiny, which is one of the cards that got me into Magic originally. In Standard, mm-hmm. like historically, these kind of cards are often quite good, be- just because it's a really good mana sync, and it allows you to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. And another good thing about it is that you're not limited to paying Blue Snow mana to increase the power and toughness. Yep. You can play like a three-colour, four-colour deck, if you so wish, and just put all your mana into this, and then you've got like a win condition. Yeah, it's just it's just a really, really cool card. Even back in Khan's standard, you had Warden of the First Tree, which saw a lot of play in Abzan builds just because mm. it could become this big threat in the late game. And I can see the same here. And it's a spirit. Spirit might be relevant in like Pioneer or even Modern like as, a, as a fun week condition later on. Yeah, I, I think this card's really, really neat.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. I might think about putting one or two of these possibly into my Monoblue Tempo deck for Pioneer. Because it can Ooh. always deal with an extra couple of one-drops. And this can just sort of grow in the late game as well, so it's nice. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I imagine it's fighting with Spectral Sailor, right?
0: Well, generally speaking, I want to have sort of at least ten one-drops. So it's usually four mm. Siren Storm Tamer, four Spectral Sailor, and then two or three others. And the other one-drop that I'm trying out at the moment is Merfolk Wind Robber from... Zendikar Rising. Oh, yes. Because it's flying. It mills over stuff, which could be relevant later for being able to sacrifice itself to draw a card and that kind of thing. And it's not particularly fantastic, but Ascendant Spirit might be a little bit better. It's also Mm. worth noting that the last activated ability on this can be activated more than once just FYI yes you can then put another two plus one plus one counters on it and then also give it a second instance of whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player draw a card I think at that point it's hardly going to really matter because you're going to have a massive chonker that's punched in a few times already and drawn a bunch of cards but it's nice to know that you can do it more than once (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's like the Khan Liberator's Minus 14, isn't it? It's just the uh, I don't need to do this, but I can do this if I really want to. It's just a nice option to have. Mm-hmm. Um, the only, uh, and the only adjustment you've got to make is just add some Snowlands, right?
0: That's it, yeah.
1: Seems, it seems a pretty easy upgrade, right? It just seems quite good.
0: For sure. All right, number four on my list. I have Realmwalker. Realmwalker being two and a green for a two-three shapeshifter with changeling. When it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. You can look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may cast creature spells of the chosen type from the top of your library. So, it's just great. It's just universally really, really good. You know, stuff like Vizier of the Menagerie and that kind of thing has seen plenty of play in the Lex of Commander, and this is essentially Mm -hmm. a tribal copy of it. And it's clear that it's intended for tribal decks. I can see this showing up pretty much everywhere, you know, like from standard uh, with elves and that kind of thing to pioneer could splash green in humans or insert tribe here. I don't know. I'm not used to playing pioneer lately. So
1: you have in pioneer, you have humans, mm-hmm. which is basically Orzhov or Mono White. And then you have spirits, mm-hmm. which is normally Azores at the moment. I don't know if it will go and ban spirits. Because you tend to run a lot of non creature spells as mm. well. But I can definitely see this in L's because it, it kinda reads like an experimental frenzy and if you've just got yeah. like loads of one drops and dorks and stuff, you can just go off. And that sounds great. Maybe like goblins. I don't know I know you have maybe. Snoop, but maybe there's like a potential for like gruel goblins with Grumgully or something. I don't know.
0: There is a combo version of goblins that runs Grumgully to do the whole sacrifice mm, thing yeah. with is it murderous red cap
1: uh, it's, yes you yeah, yeah, murderous red yeah. cap you can do something with kiki-jiki as well but like there's another combo with that um yeah it just seems really really good and if your curve is low enough you can just explode pretty much just gum up your board with threats it yeah sounds great
0: absolutely how about your number four emma what you got
1: so my number four is also a green card my number four is old growth troll so for free green mana. Mm-hmm. you get a creature troll warrior which is a 4-4 with trample which already is a really really good rate when old growth troll dies if it was a creature return it to the battlefield it's an aura enchantment with enchant forest you control and enchant forest has uh, tap add to green and it has another ability where you pay one generic mana, sacrifice this land, create a 4-4 tapped troll warrior creature token with trample this is really really good because like, it's a 4 4 with trample for start for, yep. free, for free, which is a really good rate. Like, traditionally, you have stuff like Steel Leaf Champion, you have, you know, you've had older creatures over the years that have these restrictions but have higher power, so it's already mm-hmm. a good rate. It also has trample, which is a big deal in, in aggressive green decks, because a lot of these creatures have higher stat lines but don't have the damage to push through. Mm-hmm. And even better than this, you can turn it into a land and cash it in later on as well, which is big deal, um, especially in. Where I'm looking at this is is Monogreen, Stompy, and Modern, which I wrote about this week. I think this card would be quite good in the deck, considering you can attack, because that's what you want to do in Stompy, you just want to go face. Yep. If it dies, you can enchant it to one of your many basic forests, which does bluff field of ruin, which is an important thing here. Um, and then you can just cash it in later on and just make a 4-4 four, four with Trample and do the same thing again. It prolongs the game plan, because as you're an aggressive deck, you can struggle you know, in the longer game, and yep. this just gives an option and it's much better than treetop village I think treetop village can be a bit not great yeah. and the four the four just feels really really good I'm a big fan of this card
0: yeah I don't have much to add because it's just a good solid creature you know there's nothing particularly yeah. fancy about it it's just good at what it does but yeah yeah very solid
1: it will see a lot of playing standard in like the green food decks, I suspect. Yeah. It's also really good in mono green stompy in modern because it helps the pips for aspect of hydra. So yeah. the devotion is very, very important. You might have an issue where it might cause some tension with like steel leaf champion because you don't want to oversaturate on free drops, but there's definitely room to run like a couple of these just as a, a late game insurance option. But yeah, I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, pretty sweet. Next one we got is a number three for me, and that's the Raven's mm-hmm. Warning. So this is one white blue for a saga. It's the second saga we're talking about today. And on chapter one, you create a 1-1 blue bird creature token with flying and you gain two life. And chapter two is whenever one or more creatures you control with flying deal combat damage to a player this turn, look at that player's hand and draw a card. And then chapter three says you may put a card you own from outside the game on top of your library. So this is a weird collection of things on a card. And it's.
1: It is a very unusual card, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
0: it's, it's a bit strange, all right. I, I love the flavor because the creature with flying here is the bird, the raven, and when it deals combat damage to the player, you get to see their hand. That's the warning. I get that. That's really cool. Yeah. And what I like about this is that for of Standard and maybe even Pioneer, a three mana wish is really good. And you could potentially put this into a blue-white flyers list. This could possibly even show up in something like Spirits and Pioneer for some long game stuff. You know, you can just play this, mm, get an attack in with a couple of things. You get to look at their hand. You get to see if you need to hold up a spell queller or something or this kind of thing. That seems pretty decent. And then also draw a card. And then get something from outside the game. That part in particular, to me, feels like this is going to go well in something like Control because something that control players have hated for years is actually putting win conditions in the deck in the first place. So yeah. they can just put it in their sideboard. <laughs> you know, you just have a Dream Trawler in the sideboard or something and then just bring that in Gross. and there you go. There's your win condition. You know, your win condition now only uses up one slot in your sideboard or something. Is pretty decent. So,
1: And if you want to be super greedy and standard, just play Yuri on with this. You'll have a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, for the most part. Pairing permanence yeah. with Yorion is, is a pretty good idea. <laughs> but,
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah. If you didn't know, Yorion's really good with Saga's,
0: mm. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, it feels like there's some sort of slight tensions with a couple of different things here. Like, you want to tap out, but then you don't. But then that kind of thing. But I don't know. I just think it's really, really cool. I think there's probably a number of places that this can end up being pretty good. Like, it might be the best or most flexible option for, say, a flex slot in these colours, just in general. You know, like, if you're unsure as to what to use in a flex slot in a blue-white deck in general, this might actually just be the choice that is never bad. It's never amazing, but it's never bad, if that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. I like it.
1: I like it, too. Um, so, my number three is a card that people have been talking about a little bit on Twitter, uh, which is Mystic Reflection. So for Mm. one generic and a blue, you get an instant. Uh, Scott is nodding aggressively right now because he is also a big fan (laughs) of the card. Um, So it's an instant. So you choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature and it has Fattel one blue. This card seems really, really, really good. It's going to see a lot of play in Commander. Mm -hmm. It can pair up really well against all the good token generators in in Commander. You can put it on the stack, make copies. It can be quite confusing to play with because it's all about timing. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, what you can do... So, say, for instance, your opponent has a 1-1 token on play. And they go to cast an Ugin the Spirit Dragon. In response to the Ugin the Spirit Dragon cast trigger, you can go... Oh, well, Mystic Reflection, that 1-1. One, one. So when the Ugin comes in, it comes in as a 1-1 one, one creature and not the Planeswalker. Yeah. That just seems really, really powerful. It's a really good... It's a proper Yu-Gi-Oh! activate your trap card, card, isn't it? Is. it? It's yeah. like, it's so good. It just makes people have to play around this card continually. You can just leave up the mana or have a Fatal card, like, hidden. Mm-hmm. And people have to respect it just because it is such a blowout if, you know, you you have it. It's going to be one of the biggest feel-bad cards, I think. <laughs> In the next year or so,
0: it's yeah, it's definitely going to be a a thing. It's it's a lot of fun. I got to be honest. It's it's it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun (laughs) because, like, I'm I'm even looking at this in terms of like modern, even you know. Yeah, I've
1: definitely been somewhere modern.
0: Yeah, because you could do something ridiculous like say against Tron. You know, you can flash in a Snapcaster, cast this from the bin, targeting itself, the Snapcaster in response to your opponent casting, say like a current liberated and be like, okay, well done. You've now got a snapcaster. Also like your win conditions, terrible. That's pretty good. You know,
1: as a Tron player, that does hurt (laughs) me, but I suspect it's going to happen a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Um, also, it's really good with Master of Waves in Modern. So if you want to try and make Merfolk a playable deck, go nuts. You might be able to do something with this. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty
0: good. It's pretty good. I can see this showing up in a number of places. I can imagine that this probably has some sort of combo somewhere, though it's probably been mitigated by the choose target non-legendary creature clause. Mm.
1: But, it just has that potential to be broken, right?
0: Yeah, it feels like one of those things is like, ah, this, this is broken. I just don't know how.
1: I'm not smart enough to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I have some pro to do it, Yeah.
0: Why. But yeah, that's that's a really good card. It is very silly, but also good. It's weird.
1: It's a really unique design. It's not something what you've ever done before. I think that's why I'm quite excited to see where it lands. Mm.
0: Yeah, all right. Now, number two for myself is a bit of a departure from what I would normally pick. And that is Burning Rune Demon. So Burning Rune Demon... If you haven't seen the card, it's 4 black black for a 6-6 Demon Berserker, which is great creature typing, let me tell you, (laughs) with flying. And it reads, when Burning Rune Demon enters the battlefield, you may search your library for exactly two cards not named Burning Rune Demon that have different names. If you do, reveal those cards. An opponent chooses one of them, and you put the chosen card into your hand and the other into your graveyard, then shuffle your library. So, I put this in here because... Rune Scar Demon is a thing. I know that it's a little bit slow for like some people's metagames and stuff in Commander, but I still see it an awful lot myself. And this is probably better, right? Because you go search up two different mm. cards and your opponent picks one of them. Sure, your opponent's getting the choice, but you ultimately have the real choice of what two cards to present. So you give them an awkward choice where they're borked one way or the other, you know? The first thing that I thought of with this was, "Lol, let's just get him burial rights and something else," because then you just get yeah. your win condition regardless, or you're a big dumb creature, and that's pretty cool.
1: I can tell you're a storm player.
0: A little bit, a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always get the past in flames. Always get the unburial rights.
0: <laughs> that's it. That's it. And yeah, I just, I just think it's really neat. Like I'm not thinking of anything in particular that's broken about this or anything. I just think that mm. this is another one of those just big decent threats that will just be a really good tutor in commander as well i think it's just got a lot of universal utility to it particularly in commander
1: super good in commander especially because if you're in black you're playing stuff like in tomb you're playing stuff like animate dead mm-hmm. you can just get two creatures they bin one you get one back because you run all these reanimation spells it just feels really really powerful and plus the stat line's pretty good as well
0: yeah yeah it's decent gotta say my only qualm with this is that it's a mythic rare which means that it's
1: yeah it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a mythic rare i'll be honest not quite
0: but at the same time like there is potential for this to be incredibly incredibly powerful there's probably some combos that i'm not thinking of that requires one card in the graveyard and one card in the hand or something like that that i'm just not really getting but i don't know
1: there's potential for sure
0: what about your number two emma what you got
1: so my number two is the complete opposite of a demon. I have an angel. So we have Glorious Protector. This is a Spanish translation, so this might not be the actual name of the card. Um, this is what Scryfall comes mm. up with. So I'm going to use that as the reference. So it's Glorious Protector. So for two generic and two white, you get an Angel Cleric. Cleric's mm-hmm. important here because d and d set coming soon. It has Flash Flying. When Glorious Protector enters the battlefield... You may exile any number of non-angel creatures you control until Glorious Protector leaves the battlefield. It's got foretell of 2 and a white, and it is a free 4 mm. So this is basically like a newish Restoration Angel, and I actually think this is going to be quite good. I can see it cropping up in perhaps Pioneer blue-white control, but definitely in modern blue-white control, especially when you have ways to bounce creatures back with like a Teferi Minus on Time Raveler, and you just get all your ETBs back, such as like... All of Omens, Skyclave Apparition, Vendidian Clique, like Torrential Gearhulk mm. if you're feeling fancy. You know, it's just, there's a lot of potential and it's a really good way to protect your threats against like a board wipe. So you can get rid of this and then you, you've got your board wipe. Mm. It just seems really, really good. And 3-4 four for 4-mana four flyer is always a good rate. Yeah. And plus I love Restoration Angel as a card, so. Yeah. I think it's quite good. Yeah,
0: it's pretty cool. I quite like it. I think what will really help with this is the foretell because like four mana three four flash flyer is pretty good and the effect is pretty good by Mm. itself but being able to just use up some mana in the early game where you might have a little hole in your curve or that kind of thing Mm. and being able to just like invest in a later turn like that is pretty Mm. handy like i know it's only technically a one mana discount on the turn that you use it but like that could that could be all the difference between keeping your board and not keeping your board you know so
1: yeah. This is it. Also, The Art is Incredible by Pindersky. Check it out. Mm-hmm. It's very, very pretty. I will definitely pick up a few copies for a future unfinished deck. So, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it's really cool. I like it.
1: So, your number one. <laughs> My number
0: one, <laughs> Emma, you've stolen it already. My number one, everybody, <laughs> was Mystic Reflection. It's basically going to go into nearly every single blue deck that I own in basically every format. My particular thing that as soon as I saw it, the first thing that came to my head was I can't wait until I'm playing this in Commander in I have my Tatyova deck. Sometimes I morph it into AZ, Tyrant of Jar Straight, but it's Tatyova at the moment. I want to cast an Avenger of Zendikar, and with its Enter the Battlefield trigger on the stack, I just want to target Avenger of Zendikar and turn all of my plants into Avenger of Zendikar, which will then also make a big load of plants. I, it's just going to get out of hand. It's going to get absolutely out of disgusting. hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really dumb and i love it like i'm sure like we said earlier there is probably a way to break it but i just want to do dumb stuff with it i just really want to do dumb stuff this screams i'm a dumbass <laughs> card i want to be doing dumb stuff and that's what i'm it, going to be doing
1: it pretty much reads do your worst basically it's just such a powerful card and yeah i will no doubt do the same with Avengers sender card because it's just too good not to mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty silly. incredible all right, what about your top rare? Rare or mythic. Rare or mythic. Um,
1: so my, my top card is a mythic. It's been seeing some play on like the Versus Live and stuff like that, which is Foran Monstrous Raider. Mm. Uh, so for four generic and two green, you get a 6-6 six, six with Trample and Haste, which is already pretty good. So Voron reads, if you would put one or more counters on a permanent or player, put twice that many of each of those kinds of counters on that permanent or player instead. And if an opponent would put one or more counters on a permanent all-player, they put half that many of those kinds of counters on that permanent all-player instead rounded down.
0: Yep.
1: It's really, really good against Planeswalkers, mm. and it's really good against Sagas, because it just kills yep. Sagas, which is absurd. Not to mention you have a 6 mana 6-6 six, six with Trample and Haste, which can attack straight away. Yep. It's just absurdly good like it's going to see playing standard like yeah. it's going to be everyone's standard I can kind of see it in Pioneer as well because you have like the Green Planeswalker decks for example they're still quite popular and kind of just kills them
0: could be a good mirror breaker actually you get it out of the sideboard with Vivian yeah
1: yeah this is it it's just the ability to double your counters is just so good but just rounding down is just going to be so like powerful it's even really good against stuff like Blast Zone like mm. it can take the counters off that which is which might be relevant yeah, it's just it's just one to look out for. It's just a big beefy green mythic. It's not busted, but a lot of what it does is going to be influential when you play it because there's so many counters now in yeah. Magic.
0: Yeah, so. there's a number of different places that this can cause problems for people. Like we haven't even talked about commander, you know, like this can be yeah. silly in commander as well. So both as a commander and uh just in the 99. Yeah. Yeah.
1: In your foreign clicks tribal <laughs> deck.
0: Yeah, it's a silly card. <laughs> yeah, super powerful. I would not be surprised if we saw this a lot going forward. So, mm. but Emma, Hello. now that we're in week two, what are your thoughts on Kaldheim so far? I know we did this in week one and we were optimistic. Is that still the yes. same?
1: Um, yes, I'm still optimistic. Um, still feels notably balanced, as in there is no one card that's going to be yep this is going to break standard for the next 18 months or yes this is going to break an eternal format for the next 18 months it feels quite underpowered which I really like (laughs) it reminds me of Ixlam to an extent Mm -hmm. where Ixlam was a very tribal focused set Um, it didn't do anything super powerful but what it did it was very flavourful There was a lot of synergy and a lot of people enjoyed it which, as a result, I am really sad because I really enjoyed Ixalan Limited, like pre releases and stuff, because it was quite an aggressive format. And Kaldheim kind of looks to be the same, and I love playing aggressive decks in, in Limited, so it's kind of a missed opportunity. I kind of wish I could play in paper, but it looks great. Like the flavours there, the art is great, the cards look great, you know, there's a lot of fun build arounds in different colours and different tribes, so there's a lot of diversity, yeah. there's a lot of options available, so I'm quite excited
0: yeah it's pretty sweet how
1: about you?
0: I too am a fan of Ixalan Limited so I know that's gonna irk a lot of people but you know what sometimes it's everyone else that's wrong sometimes oh, aggressive yeah. limited is just fun
1: and I'll, yeah that's uh, it Two drop limited is the best limited like you just attack with pirates what, what could you want?
0: my, my absolute favourite was Rivals of Ixalan playing the blue white chicken control where you just oh, had the yes. two five flying good. chickens <laughs> that had like vigilance and you just basically drafted two of those and then a bunch of like counter spells and card draw spells and you essentially couldn't lose. But yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great.
1: I think mine was I think mine was black white vampires, unsurprisingly. because one it was one of the best archetypes mm-hmm. in limited and plus I just get to play Legion Conquistador which was kind of like the squadron hawk of excellence. So you just draft all those and draw like five cards.
0: Yep. All right. So, moving on, we're going to have some Q and A this week. Emma, what have we got?
1: So, we've still got Evie the Mage who has kindly tweeted in with some more stonks for that budget bling. So, they say, we have Eldraine rotating this year. Hard to believe, honestly, Eldraine's rotating this year, on a side note. <laughs> Fabra Elder is a card you want to get now while you can. It is $3 for a version of the Commander Staple that's $40 with the bling version being at $5, so this is the full art mm-hmm. version they're on about. So, the, the standard Border version is $3, this is a great card because Bloom Tender sees a lot of play in, in Commander as it is. Yeah. And that is getting quite expensive again despite of the Mystery Booster release. So picking this up for your free four or five color decks is good to go. Because once that once Eldrain rotates out, that demand's going to dry up. Mm-hmm. And also, E V the Mage has a question. How do you both feel about poor Paponza going forward with Tron becoming so prevalent in the metagame?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I mean... I think, if anything, it's going to stand to benefit from the snow stuff. Like I mentioned, it's going to have a little bit more consistency because of the snow lands and that kind of thing, though it does need more top lands to do that. But, yeah, I think it's probably a reasonable idea to try it out. Personally, I don't think the way to attack Tron is to really actually attack the Tron lands. Tron is weird in that it adapts to whatever circumstance it's in. So, in modern... Mm. If you're playing green Tron, absolutely disrupt the lands while you're still pr- applying pressure. Do that. That's a great idea. The problem with doing mm. that in Pauper is it kind of doesn't care all that much over whether it gets Tron immediately or later. Similar to mm. like blue Tron and Modern because it can just incidentally get there. You know, it's still just a decent control deck in the meantime. You know, sometimes it needs to get there early against certain matchups and that's great and everything. But a lot of the time, it just needs it for the late game to be able to just lock you out. And I, like, I still think it's a reasonable call. I think Ponza now in Pauper is a definite good choice in comparison to, say, like, pre-Commander Legends. Because pre-Commander Legends, it didn't have a good top end, like, at all. It had, like, mm. a couple of Illumox crushers and was like, maybe this is good enough. But now, because they have the Cascade threats and, like, Boarding Party has haste and everything, like, that is critical you can capitalise on the damage that you've dealt to their mana base and maybe even do more again like you can cascade into another like monvuli and ramp yourself while also casting your game ending threat like that's a good mm. plan it is a little inconsistent because it can cascade into like an Arbor Elf or something but you know what you got to roll with the punches sometimes.
1: That's that's Cascade, isn't yeah. it? It's very hit or miss. Unless your deck's like built, particularly, to always get the hit. But no, like Ponza seems really good. I don't know how good Cleansing Wildfire would be, because, again, you don't want to attack the mana base, but at least give, it does give you some card draw, which might be a good mm. option.
0: There are very few basics in Paupertron at the moment, if any at all. Mm. Sometimes they run one, oh, maybe. Okay. But, yeah, probably a good call to try a Cleansing Wildfire. Mm. Yeah,
1: Nice. All right, so... We have a question from Zach. What cards spoiled from Cal Time so far do you think will have the greatest impact in Modern or Pioneer? This is quite a big question, considering the set's not out, we don't have any data to go mm. off. So this is kind of like a bit of a stab in the dark, isn't kind it? Kind
0: of, sort of. Well, at the moment, as of the time of recording this, there's still roughly 35 cards left to be spoiled. Now, the chances of us actually finding mm. anything truly broken in there is not particularly high, but still, we don't have all the information at this point. Personally, I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to be like a strategy-defining card or anything like that. Nothing has really stood out. But I do think there are a couple of good utility cards. Like, for example, Ravenform, like I said last week, is going to be really, really good to be able to yeah. deal with a Chalice on 1 or a Chalice on 2 because it has CMC 3. That's going to be nice. Maybe the Snow Duels, if, say, Snow Control and that kind of thing, starts becoming more of a thing again. You'd be able to use the Snow Duels instead of the triumphs and that kind of thing. But I think the one that's probably going to have the biggest impact for me, I think, is Weathered Runestone. That's the two mana, essentially, Grafdigger's Cage. And the reason that this is important is because it gets around Chalice on one. So you can run this in, say, like your current decks that have Chalices in them. You know, say like Bluetron or etron or whatever. And not have to worry about the Nambo of Grafdigger's Cage and Chalice on one. I think that's probably the biggest thing so far.
1: Yeah, because even with Weathered Greenstone, so you get it with like Piffing Need and Source of Spyglass. A lot of the times, these decks will play one of each just to mm. respect the the escalation on Chalice of the Void. And I can definitely see it here where you are going to have one Graph Digger's Cage and one Weathered Greenstone if you anticipate, you know, graveyard, mm. focus, reanimate, sort of meta games. I think for me, I'm quite hopeful that Glorious Protector sees some play because I just really, really like the card and it's just got a lot of potential given like all the ETBs in modern and hopefully it brings something back to like um, blue white control or like ban ephemerate style decks. It might be a good, good option. Mm, yeah. I like, I like deadly blinky nonsense <laughs> and I just want it to be a thing. <laughs> yeah. So we also have a question from fire Alejandro. Mm. He says, Hey Scott and Emma, I've been playing. Is it prowess in pioneer? I've been playing against a new friend I made I'm playing for a webcam on my store's discord and he's been on blue white mm. control. This seems like a matchup and aggro deck should win, right? However, until I don't side in my tempo spells, uh, so my counter spells and my planeswalkers, I always lose. Can you have a look at my list to see what things I should maybe change? I'm already thinking about changing Of One Mind and the Treasure Cruise for a place-up of Light up the Stage and Two brazen and Borrowers. Okay. One thing to keep in mind is that I haven't played against any other deck, so I don't know if the matchup is just bad for me, or I should change the deck more for a tempo list by adding the walkers and maybe some drakes and a Nib Mizzet. Okay. And he's, he's, he's supplied us with the deck list as well, which we'll kind of go through within a Okay, moment.
0: cool. So if anybody that is a patron wants to see the list, we'll add that into the show notes. So yep. what I'm seeing here is a lot of good cards. There's an awful lot of good cards that I like. The, the first thing that I noticed was that this kind of feels like it's sort of trying to be two different decks, if that makes sense. So... Hmm. You're seeing stuff like the Monastery Swift Spears and the Scar Mages and that kind of thing. But then you're also seeing bigger spells here, like the Chandra Heart of Fire and that kind of thing. And these are all still good cards. Don't get me wrong. Every single card that is in this list is still a decent card. It's just some of them don't play nice with each other. Like, for example, there's, there's a very low land count to include a five mana Planeswalker. Like, there's 19 lands and then two Spike Field Hazard as well. So, technically, 21 lands. Yes. And that's a little low even with all the cantrips I crash through and opt in here to get up to a five drop. And with that, there's only one of them in the deck as well. So it almost feels like this is some sort of like hedge against a particular, it feels kind of like a main board cyborg card, if that makes sense. I'm not a fan of Chandra Heart of Fire or kind of the Bone Crusher Giants in here. Personally, Bonecrusher Giant, absolutely fantastic card. I don't think it's quite the thing that this kind of really slim-lined, aggressive Is It Prowess deck kind of wants to do. I don't think it's the right kind of thing for it. But it definitely has a home in, say, like an Is It Spells list. So, Emma, is there anything that you want to add to this as well?
1: I think I agree with you. It's very weird to see this as a Prowess deck, considering there is, like, a Planeswalker in here. This just seems a very, like, I agree with you. It feels like either it's an, Is It mid range deck or is it... A prowess deck is trying to do too many things at once and that can happen if you're just playing against one particular Mm. deck all the time and you have like you have this tunnel vision like i need to beat this one deck however you need to think about what about the other decks because what might be good against blue white control might be terrible against everything else if you're interested in playing like a proper prowess style deck you really want your mana curve to be as low as possible Mm. so the chandra needs to go like The Chandra and the Cyborg can probably go as well. I'm not too big of having anything over three mana in my prowess decks, but that's my mm-hmm. preference. But yeah, I agree with you. It needs to have a much lower curve because you're just going to have these dead cards. Like You're just going to have this Chandra in your hand and you're just not going to be able to cast it.
0: Yeah, that's pretty reasonable. All right, yeah. So what we've ended up doing is we have looked at the two different directions that this deck feels like it's going, and we've actually made two different versions of the deck. So there's an Is it prowess, and then what I've labelled as, is it spells? So, is it prowess? What we're doing is we're basically cutting back all of the unnecessary things. So, a prowess deck like this needs to be slim-lined. Like, as slim, as low to the ground, and as tight as humanly possible. And making sure that there's enough burn in there as well to actually get the reach that you need to close off the game too. So, mm. we've pulled out stuff like the Bonecrusher Giants and the Young Pyromancers, because they're slower, more grindy kind of thing. You can have those in the sideboard. We haven't updated the sideboards for these, by the way, because you said you only play against the blue-white deck, so technically you could have 15 sideboard cards dedicated to beating control if you want to. But yeah, so what we've gone with instead is we've maxed out on as many of the prowess creatures as possible. So we've put a playset of storming Entity in there, because you're playing so many low-to-the-ground spells, and you've got so many cantrips and stuff that it's very easy to get to three lands. For sure. So you can easily play one spell on a turn where you have three lands. You know, say like it's a a shock to get rid of a creature and that'll proc your Swift Spear and your Soulscar Mage. And then after you've dealt damage with them, you can still play a Storming Entity, set up your Scry for the next turn so that you can draw a spell for the turn. Maybe cantrip into another spell, really get the ball rolling. So it's very, very much honed in on specifically the Prowess Plan. And if that's the direction that you want to take the deck, which in my opinion is the best way to take the deck because it's just super, super fast, super aggressive, super fun. And you get more games of magic in this way. You know, you know, in the mm. first like five turns whether you're going to win this game or you're going to lose this game for the most part. And yeah, it's really sweet. One thing I do like about this is the only thing in this is a deck that you rely on the graveyard for is Treasure Cruise. And that's pretty good because. Mm. A lot of decks that are is it have a tendency to rely on graveyard stuff for spells and that kind of thing. So I really, really like this version for basically just blanking anything to do with graveyard hate. Like if they want to cyborg into ways to beat you, they have to focus on like removal and stuff. And that means you can focus your cyborg cards on counter spells to protect your creatures instead. Yeah. The other way that you can run the deck. The other version that we've done is more of an Is It Spells list, and it kind of looks like a Phoenixless Phoenix list, if that sort of makes sense, right? You've got a lot of the things that you would see in a Phoenix deck, like you know, is it charm and strategic planning and that kind of thing, and even a lightning axe. But it's not for Phoenix. Again, to sort of reduce the reliance on graveyards for that kind of thing. Instead, we've decided to offer a slower, grindier version where you have As you mentioned, two Brazen Borrower. There's also a full playset of the Bonecrusher Giant. And then you're looking to grind out with Young Pyromancer as your main value engine. But on top of that, one of the cards that we mentioned earlier in the episode for Scott Stunks at the start was Magmatic Channeler. (laughs) And I think this would be a great spot for it because you're looking to cast a lot of value spells, gain incremental advantage, while also still filling up your graveyard. Now, what we've done with this one is we've removed the Treasure Cruise, which sounds sacrilege, and it might be, but this looks really, really fun to play. And instead gone heavy on the Of One Mind, because you have four Young Pyromancer and four Magmatic Channeler. They're your humans in the deck. And then you have six non-humans, which are the Bonecrusher Giant and Brazen Borrower, but also Young Pyromancer's Elemental Tokens gives you the payoff for Of One Mind by themselves. So with all of this in mind, you're using all of this to grind out and the graveyard is nice and stocked with spells because of things like strategic planning and is a charm and stuff. So it turns Magmatic Chandler into a 4-4 very, very easily, which can then still be another value engine in and of itself. And then you can use removal spells like Blitz of the Thunder Raptor to be able to exile bigger creatures or planeswalkers and all sorts. This is very, very grindy version. This does not want to win quickly. It would probably be worse against Blue Eye Control, but might be a little bit more fun to play more of a mid-range game plan in, is it which is not something you'd usually see.
1: Also, if you just want to play longer games of Magic, this is a good way to go as well, instead of, you yes. know, having the five turns with prowess. If you want to have those those long games where you're thinking about what your opponent's going to play next yeah. and that kind of thing. This is the sort of deck for it. I really like this deck, I'm going to be honest. I kind of want to build it because <laughs> it's just really, really sweet. I love Pragmatic Channeler as a card, um, yeah. the new red Tarmogoyf. So. Yeah.
0: This is closer to what I would personally build as well. I feel mm. like, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of very red heavy decks that then splash for one color slightly. Well, not, not not red in particular, but just any deck that's like very very heavily one color and then a very light splash of another. Mm-hmm. It always feels weird to me. I don't know why, but more even color spread feels more right to me. If that makes sense. I've also yeah. added in here my one of spell pierce. I have put a one of spell pierce <laughs> into every is deck that I have ever played since is it phoenix and modern. I would start with four thing in the ice, four Arclight phoenix, one spell pierce, mm-hmm. and let's go.
1: Spell pierce is a great <laughs> card. Yeah, and. Because you're drawing so many cards in the deck, you're probably going to see it quite more often than not, so...
0: That's it. With this many pieces of card draw, you're probably going to see a lot of your one-offs throughout any mm. given game, so yeah, this seems like the way to go. This also has more main deck permission to be able to deal with fighting with counter spells and that kind of thing, so mm. against blue eye control. It might not actually be that bad, the more I think about it, but yeah, that's what I would do. Again, we haven't changed the sideboard on this because you know we don't know your opponent's deck lists and stuff but mm. the the sideboard that you have at the moment is actually pretty solid so yeah that's what we would do with this deck if anyone wants to see these lists we as always will have them in the show notes and yeah i think that's it
1: yeah it is.
0: it's weird are we gonna have a normal outro now Thank you for listening to us here at the Cast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, Odin Egan, Philippe Delmot, The Jazz Guy, The Joe Cheney, Bradley Rose, Stephanie Pace, Ian Holland, and The Pauper Guild. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, Ryan Collins, Nurblin, and everett brogan thank you all so much for helping to keep this podcast on the air we can't thank you enough if you want to support us head on over to patreon.com forward slash budget if you have any questions comments or sweet brews you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on twitter at the BMCast. we'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck